This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. 2NURFM 103.7, we're talking travel. And Sally Lucas, we've got some interesting news about things in the travel world. At yes, the quite a few interesting things that are happening at the moment, Jane. Um, and firstly, I just thought I'd mention, and it's hard to believe this, but it's 20 years in November since the fall of the Berlin Wall. Oh, it doesn't seem that long. No, well, I remember going to Europe on a, a fantastic trip all through the Eastern Bloc countries, and that was before the wall fell. And I don't, can't believe that, that means that was even longer ago than 20 yes, years let's ago. Let's not go on about the passage of time. No, no, but if anyone's there, I would imagine it, it'll be, you know, very well celebrated, of course, because it over the 9th and 10th of November in 1989 was when the border crossings between East and West Germany were opened. And of course, they're going to have a host of celebrations to, to actually commemorate the collapse of that war. It was and, a fairy tale time. Really. Oh, Nobody it, believed it would happen as no, quickly as that. No. And I mean, it's they're, apparently what they're doing, thousands of young people are designing oversized dominoes. And from 7th of November, it's going to form a two kilometre gallery along the former course of the Berlin Wall. Uh, between the Reichstag, the Brandenburg Gate and the Potsdamer Platz. And on the evening of 9th of November, they're going to be sending the, the um, dominoes tumbling down sort of to give an effect of the wall falling again. What a lovely idea. Yeah, so that's quite fantastic, isn't it? So just sort of anyone happens to be over there, that, you know, in November, it would be something nice to, um, to go and be part of, but I'm sure we'll hear about it on the news as well in due course. Yes, yes. And the other thing I thought we'd mention, Matt, today, Jane, is trains beating planes. The oh, need yeah. for speed, eh? Faster than a speeding bullet or a speeding plane, shall we say. But 90% of people now travelling between Paris and London, for example, take the Eurostar. So with, with the advent of the high-speed trains now, rail travel in Europe particularly has become so popular that some intercity flight routes are actually being cancelled. And they say that that could happen even more so in the future. So, you know, for example, if you wanted to go from London to Paris, you'd have to tackle Heathrow at one end and Charles de Gaulle at the other. All the extra in plus, you know, the security now having to check in a lot earlier than normal. And you can get a high speed train that lands you right in the centre of town. And there you are. So yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? Mm. And there's no more flights anymore on the Paris-Brussels route. So that's just by train. And, of course, we've got high-speed high trains occurring like recently in, in the last 12 months in Spain and also in other areas of Europe. And apparently even in the old Eastern Bloc countries, they are also going to be looking at incorporating high-speed trains. And apparently this is probably even going to happen like in other countries right around the world, like with Amtrak in America. Of course, they've had fast trains. Japan has. So there's going to be an advent within countries, I think, of where we'll see a lot more trains, which will save a lot of hassle when you're travelling. And, of course, it's such a lovely way to travel, isn't it? It is. You see so much. You sit back, you relax, and, of course, I mean, you can go on overnight on sleeper trains if you wish, but, I mean, I generally like to do the daytime ones because you, you've got that window on the world, haven't you? you certainly have. And such a wonderful window it can be. Another little interesting tidbit, too, I was reading the other day in the paper, there's these people who get sick of, were getting sick of being ripped off by taxis at different airports around the world in different countries. So what they've done, they've gone into a, establishing their own website with information for people about taxis in just about all the major cities in the world, what you should be paying how to approach it, etc. And I thought, well, isn't that a good idea? Because that can be a hassle sometimes when you arrive, especially in a non-speaking country and you're unsure of what you should be paying. And it's just called IHateTaxis.com. <laughs> so anyone wants to have a look at that, it's I hate all one word, taxis all one word, all lowercase, IHateTaxis.com. And that will give people information on all the various different 
taxis around the world. So I guess they'll update that as they continue with their website. But I just thought that was quite interesting, isn't it, to have a little look at that. And uh, you, you probably had a gripe someone has, I'm sure, about um, feeling that they've been ripped off somewhere in the world by a taxi driver. <laughs> Especially when you arrive somewhere with a different currency and you're really yeah. not too sure no. just what the comparison is. And you've just come off maybe a long flight or something, so you're not exactly as with it as you would normally be. And you're in a foreign country and, yes, there's lots of things that are a bit confronting when you first arrive somewhere. It's different if you're a seasoned traveller and you've been there before and you know all the, you know, ins and outs. But I think for a first-time traveller or first time to a new country, you know, you, you are a little bit hesitant and a little bit unsure. So this might just give people a little bit of help anyway with the taxis. And a bit of confidence. Exactly. Sounds great. All of that helps when travelling. We're talking travel on 2NURFM 103.7, thanks to our sponsor, Travel World on King. And Christmas, it isn't quite here, Sally Lucas, but it nearly is. Oh, Jane, it horrifies me to think how close it really is, actually, and having done nothing about it, as usual, but that's okay. That's what I do every year, so it's not changed. (laughs) But if you're thinking of doing something different for Christmas this year, I mean, whether you want a hot one or a cold one, depending on where you go, there are some interesting itineraries out there in the marketplace for people who maybe don't want to be at home for Christmas for whatever reason, whether it be they don't have family anymore or, you know, they're, they're, they're lonely or they're on their own or maybe they just feel like they want to get away for Christmas and do something different for a change. So there's all sorts of reasons why people travel at Christmas time, obviously. Um, and you can go to some fantastic destinations like Egypt, Jordan, India, China. Or if you really want to go cold, you can go Russia. But, um, you know, that would be really, really cold. Um, so there's itineraries ranging from 6 to 22 days, starting from the 18th of December. And you can actually, you know, do something in Egypt, as I said, sailing along the Nile, seeing the pyramids, go to the Red Sea for some snorkelling or diving. It's the best time of the year for Egypt. It's the, it's the least hot time of the year, if you like, that December, January period. So it's a great time to go. Still good weather, but you're not going to get that awful extreme of heat that you can get in, in Egypt. But then you can also uh, go to Jordan, which you've got that wonderful, stunning rose city of Petra. There's itineraries doing that. Or you can, if you wanted to, you could ring in the New Year in um, the Red Square in Moscow or to China. So this company, On The Go Tours, has some wonderful itineraries if you're thinking of doing anything like this. Um, they've got a classic King Ramsey tour, which is a 13-day, which has got departures over four weeks in December. And they're doing a Chinese New Year trip. In, into China, of course, um, into, into Beijing, as well as lots of other areas, including the Great Wall and, of course, Siam with your terracotta warriors. And they also go to the Ice Sculpture Festival in Harbin for New Year. So, you know, some really different things. And as I said, the big chill if you want to go to, to Russia or St. Petersburg and Vladimir, Moscow, you do the Kremlin, of course, uh, Gorky Park in Moscow and the Hermitage Collection, the Winter Palace in St. Petersburg, and you see in the New Year in the Red Square. Um, you and could, you could almost be sure of getting a white Christmas in Russia. I would you? think so. You would and other you would, places that you'd go for a white Christmas. Where would you think? Well, you could go to Canada. Yes, which would be really lovely. You do some sleigh riding, which they do, which yes. would be fantastic. Up in Banff and Lake Louise, such stunningly beautiful times of the years when those trees, beautiful tall pine trees, are just laden with snow. So you see it in an entirely different light, of course, than you are in the summer months, and all your lakes are frozen over, and you do you know, ice skating or you know snowman making or whatever so you know there's and even Europe parts of Europe of course they don't all have heavy snow at Christmas it's still early in the season but certainly if you went into Russia that far north I would imagine you'd be fairly 
I'd say, sure of getting some snow. Yeah. And as I said, there's an eight-day tour that's taking in Petra, the old Roman ruins there, and the and as I said, the Dead Sea and the Rose City of Petra. And also, New York always has some fantastic things happening at Christmas time. Um, they sort of have a whole... All the boroughs in New York, or the five boroughs, all have something happening, you know, in their... They have special, like, candle lighting and candlelight tours, or there's something happening in each of the boroughs. And this year, the New York City Ballet is doing the... Uh, favourite uh, George Balanchine production of The Nutcracker, which would be fantastic, which is going from November through to the 3rd of January. Um, Staten Island is doing candlelight tours as well. So, you know, there's just lots happening, and lots of the European cities do this too. They have their markets, they have their big Christmas trees with all the lights, and, and you know, everyone comes out, and it's a time... Well, I guess there's less tourists in their cities, and so the, the local people, like, actually are more coming together in winter than they are probably at other times of the year. So it's an interesting time to visit some of these countries and see what all the locals do at Christmas time. And we'll be back talking travel again next Friday after the 1 o'clock news. You're on to NURFM 103.7.